Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Second Act. I'm your host, Bonnie Somerville. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow me at Second Act underscore pod on Instagram. And also, while you're at it, please message me questions or thoughts or anything you want to talk about. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to answer your questions. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, leave me a five-star review. That's right, five stars on Apple Podcasts because I want to keep doing this and I love it. So, hi. Let me tell you about my next guest. My next guest is somebody I've known for a while and she is an extremely talented, multi-talented person. She's done a million things that you'll hear about. Uh, Very inspirational to me. Um, She's kind of broke the mold many, many times and done things that I'm just like, how did you do that? And... She's somebody that I met, very interestingly, that you will hear about later. I don't want to give it away. Um, At a time in my life, I, yet again, was moving back to LA, another canceled show. Uh, I don't know, what's that, my umpteenth canceled show? And I was starting over again, my second act, my second-teenth act, reached out to me, um, basically became a friend when I needed it and kind of taught me a lot about being open to, you never know where help's going to come. You know, you, you, you might not know how it's going to come, what it's going to look like, but you got to be open because you just don't know. And really, really helped me at a time when I needed it. Um, she is extremely successful. Um, she has taken a career path that could have gone very conventionally and turned it into an amazing thing, many, many different things, uh, turned her lifestyle and her beliefs into a brand and then turned that brand into a successful company. She is a fearless female, super supportive of all women, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is my next guest, Whitney Lee Morris. So I'm very excited right now. I am interviewing one of my dear friends, Whitney Lee Morris. Hi. Hi, Bonnie. I'm so excited to be on your show. You, I'm very excited. I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous to interview you. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. All the conversations I, we have, you, you got I know. This. I know. But I'm, <laughs> like you are, as you know, you're one of the most, I mean, you are so accomplished in every way. And I, I am so intimidated slash in love with you and think you're just so fabulous. And I always used to get your title wrong and you always used to be like, that's not what I do. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, to be fair, it's like 7,000 different slashes and I don't get the title right half, half the time. So exactly. You do so many wonderful, you do so many things. It's really, it's actually just, it's intimidating and inspiring and overwhelming, <laughs> but why don't you tell everybody what you do in your own words? Well, hi. Okay. My name is Whitney. I run a small business uh, in Venice, California, and we call it the Tiny Canal Cottage. And uh, from our little business, we try to show audiences ways in which they can live both in and with a smaller footprint. Um, and so this entails doing a myriad of different things, whether it is you know creating content for social media, video, um, 
photos, blog posts, things like that, or consulting with clients to help them figure out how to make their small space work for them, uh, working with not so much right now, but offices, you know, other businesses to outfit their spaces, um, consulting with, with news and media outlets to kind of give general tips for, for the public to hopefully find a use for their space. That is really how I spend the majority of my days. There's a lot more in that, but that is the, that is the bread and butter right now. And now is, it couldn't be a better time to be teaching people this, obviously, with yeah. what is going on in the goddamn world right now. Yeah, I know. Six months of it and people are still just trying to figure it out and, you know, but... And life, I don't know. Of, you know, life moves on. I feel like we're we're, we're all going to be sussing this out for forever because things things change within the change. You know, we're I mean, just going to have to keep figuring it out. Especially with the with the living with less, and especially being having this happen to us with COVID and not being able to go out and spend and do and consume. I right. mean, you're. I mean, everyone should know you have an unbelievable blog, um, Tiny Canal Cottage. Unbelievable Thank you. blog. You share so many amazing things from personal stuff to mothering you know, the environment, your work, your design, your family. But I thought about you when this all happened, how you are so about consuming less and using less. And then this happened and all of us kind of had to, those of us that don't live like you, it was like all of a sudden I'm learning to cook and, you know, leftovers every day. And just like mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. things, I started to notice more and more and more Yeah, about reusing stuff because yeah. I'm, I'm not as, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm better. I'm getting better, but I'm... Mm-hmm. I've been ignorant about that stuff for a really long time. But well, you we're all a work in progress. Days. We're all a work in progress. I'm certainly not perfect. And I wish it could be a fly on the wall to see what your daily life is like <laughs> now, since we haven't been able to, to share that uh, with well, one another in this, in this isolation. I'll tell you what I did last night, because I've been bringing um, things over since I'm moving. And um, I brought over some reusable uh, Ziploc bags. Yes. You know, the ones I said, <laughs> yeah, Dave, yeah, absolutely. My boyfriend, we're going to be using these from now on. I mean, it's like you say when I read your tips and stuff to people, when you write to people on your Instagram about, you know, baby steps. Right, right, absolutely. And um, also, if you guys don't know Whitney's Instagram, it is Whitney Lee Morris um, Instagram, mm-hmm. but probably one of the most beautiful feeds. Everyone says that. I'm not just blowing Thank you. Everyone Thank you. So when I first met you, I remember, I mean, you were doing the Instagram thing way before. And I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing. You kind of helped me. I mean, back right. seven right. It was, years ago. Yeah, I feel like I jumped on it a little too late to be one of those creators that really skyrocketed at the beginning. But at the same time, I've definitely been doing it for a long time. Um, it's just so much fun to me, though. There's so much art that can, you know, I mean, I, I understand people's gripes with social media and I understand you know, how, how nuanced the, to- the, the topic is overall. But I just will say that from an artistic standpoint, I've always just found it to be so much, so much fun and so enjoyable. And whether it's for myself or for, for friends, for clients, whatever the case may be, I enjoy it. And your background, so you start, okay, so let's talk about the second act, right? So the whole, the whole thing mm-hmm. about this podcast is people like us and everyone, everyone has many, many acts in their lives, some more traumatic than others, but we're always mm-hmm. doing um, but your first act was was you was it was a graphic design. Is that what you went to school for? Uh, I went to school for advertising. So oh, advertising. my yeah my 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 first act, I guess. I mean, I always I always did a myriad of different things. So it wasn't strictly graphic design. It was 
um, still just advising brands on just general look and feel and basically the forward uh, facing component of, of their brands. And uh, with that came some graphic design. Now, when I look back, I mean, it's hilarious, you know, just like with so many things in our past, you look back and you're like, oh my Oh my God, that really? That was oh, awful. I never did. Yeah. No, there's nothing about my life. <laughs> no, I, never. No, never I'm, I'm, God, I never cringe at myself. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was definitely a part of it. I mean, I was, I was in sitting hunched over desks coding um, just as much as I was doing museum exhibition design and things like that. So yeah, so the, the, the job has remained the same in the sense that it is still really, really spread out in terms of responsibilities, but it's certainly, um, has reinvented itself in in a in a way um, as we are all reinventing ourselves in this life. So why? How did that happen? Why was it? Why was that um, brand and advertising at first? How how did that come to be your first act? Is that just what uh, you, you were interested in? Is that like how did that how did that come to come about? Like when you were thinking of what you wanted to do. Right. I, well, I had just moved to New York with an, with my um, ex. I had just moved to New York and was living in Manhattan, and I had heard about this art gallery that is no longer around but this art gallery and I walked in and told them I wanted to create a job there where there was no job and they let me do it um oh, and it, ballsy. <laughs> especially to especially to I'm from Florida and uh you know not a small town but not a big town I'm from Gainesville so it is a little intimidating to walk around those Manhattan streets as a resident for the first time yeah um I know you know New York like the back of your hand and I certainly became very very um, familiar and fell in love with it but at that time you know, it is intimidating to walk into some of those places. And, uh, but I remember feeling very emboldened that day. I think just because, um, I just knew that I wanted to, to create something and I, I sold it and I did that for several years and it took me, you know, into several different, uh, cities and introduced me to hundreds of different people. And I'm very, very grateful for that experience. Even if, uh, Ultimately, I was kind of, in a way, kicked off the dock. But that's we all need to be kicked out of the nest well, or off the dock at some point in order to evolve, right? That's, and that's how these, the second act. Yes, I mean that's how you know, you know, that's how these things happen. So you were in New York, and I know if you could tell us, I mean, I know this because we're so close. But you went through a really big breakup, like a like a mm-hmm. like a just absolute like sucker punch breakup, right? It's so, true. Yeah. And we, we had lived all over the country together in various ways. We were together for over a decade. Um, wow. It was, uh, he's a lovely person, but it was a relationship that certainly needed to come to an end for both of us. But I will say that, you know, in a relationship that starts that young and lasts that long, it is a huge tectonic shift, you know, oh, yeah. because when you get into those relationships young in your life, you kind of grow up as a person with another person. And, you know, as opposed to the relationships you make later on in life where you've established yourself, right, as just you. Um, and I mean, no person is an island, but you know what I mean with respect to, to romantic relationship. And so in a sense, that is very untethering, right? Because it's not only the heartbreak, but the just, like I said, the tectonic just shift of, well, who am I without this person that I quite literally grew up with. And, um, uh, but that, that breakup, like I said, needed to happen for both of us. And it, it was one of the two things that pushed me into the, you know, the path that I'm now on, which is by far the more enjoyable and lucrative path for, for both myself and now my family. Right. So you think that was, that was, that was that definitely a catalyst like a change. Yeah, it was definitely that, part like a, of it. For, yeah. Okay. Cause that's yeah, like for a sure. for so many people, I think breakups. Divorce, yeah. That seems to be a catalyst. Like it makes people question, okay, and who am I now? And what do I want? Yeah. And it, 
And so after that, is that when you, because you know when I met you, I fell in love with you because you represented a chateau, a medieval chateau, and we know <laughs> I'm a medieval history freak. And you sent me a link and said, hey, I represent this chateau. Is that when you went to France? Is that when you got into that? I had already been going to, I had already been going to work with that client for several years and I'd lived in France at that point for for a long time. But, um, I knew through someone that we have in common that you were a a medieval (laughs) history buff. And so, yeah, I reached out because I'd heard so much about you and, um, was enamored by the idea of you and then grew to be enamored by the person that you are, um, had the good fortune of actually, you know, meeting you and now calling you one of my closest friends. But, you know, uh, at the time I reached out because I loved this uh, this picture of the person that that uh, our mutual friends had painted for me of this woman who was not only this phenomenal talent that we can all see on screen, but also doing you know um, nonprofit work in the community, and then also had this weird obsession with medieval history. And then I happened to have a, a foothold in in a little slice of it that I thought you would find interesting. And luckily, luckily, well, she it did. Was, you we did. Should tell, we should tell everyone how we know each other because talk about second acts. I think you should tell everybody. I think it's so delightful. I used to date Whitney's husband mm-hmm. and the love of her life, Adam mm-hmm. Winkleman. And mm-hmm. that's how I met Whitney. Whitney, talk about like females supporting girls, supporting girls and females supporting females. You were, you were actually, I always tell people this, one of the most impressive women I had ever met just because of your um, absolute non-jealousy, like total supportive chick. Like I just moved back to Venice um, from New York. I was canceled show, you know, had no friends. Mm-hmm. And I just get this random email from this beautiful girl that I met once at dinner. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, I should clarify. I, I dated Whitney's, uh, I, I dated Adam before he was Whitney's husband. Not, <laughs> not during. Okay, let me just, <laughs> just in case there's any confusion. Yeah, just in case there's any confusion. <laughs> but I remember you reaching out to me and saying, hey, you want to get a drink? I heard you're into medieval castles. And I'm, and I, and I just, met you in this beautiful six foot tall statuesque long brunette beauty walks in and you're like, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Hey, do you need-? And I, I was just <laughs> like, wow, like this chick is awesome. You know, just cause I mean, honestly, just in my experience, I haven't met that many females, especially in my business that were that supportive and that loving and that open. And, and um, yeah, that was just an awesome, awesome way to meet. Well, talking about being loving and supporting, I would very much describe myself as a six foot tall, just awkward giantess. So thank you, because that was very generous. But I, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting with exes, right? And with people from previous lives, because um, I know that clearly this is not always the case, but I do think that when someone is so significant in your life, the way that an ex can, can be, is not always, but you know, can be, that they have the the it would make sense that the people that they hold dear are people that you might hold dear as well right, right. i mean if you That's- share these common bonds with this current partner of yours and that partner has these other kinds of bonds that you, it seems like there should be some kind of commonality and shared, you know, shared interests and passions and right. you know in the case of you know and in our case that that certainly um was true, you know. I know. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, in in an ideal world, you know, you would think that yeah, everybody could be like you and Adam and or you know what Gwyneth and Gwyneth Paltrow and the conscious uncoupling thing and like they're best friends with each other's, you know, significant others and like that's kind of how it should be. Mm. But that's a good mm-hmm. point. If you love someone and they love someone, you would think that you'd probably find things to love about that person as well. Right, right. If it didn't end in like you know right. fire Unless, and brimstone, yes. and then, then those like, are yeah. <laughs> those are other those are other podcast shows about ending in <laughs> hatred and death and you know, war of the roses. So I met you, yes, and so we fall in love over this medieval castle stuff, and then um, 
because when I met you, I remember you you were trying to help me annoy with my Instagram because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I mm-hmm. I have watched you grown that. It has been just unbelievable to watch how you've grown that into not only this brand, but you've taken this opportunity and you've done so much with your platform, like as far as charity work, the environment, helping women, advice. I mean, honestly, it's not just design and, and that stuff. I mean, you've done so much with that platform. You know, I think that um, when we're in a community of any sort, whether it's online or our neighborhoods or our families or whatever the case may be, um, you know, we can, we have the opportunity to surround ourselves with people that show us how, how much we can, we can achieve if we really like work at it. And so what I really enjoy about those, that outlet, the Instagram outlet, especially back then before there was so much noise is really just seeing the creative things, but also just the wonderful work and uh, studies and actions that people were taking to really make a difference. And, you know, without trying to appropriate that, without trying to you know, siphon that off, just kind of take what I found of value from that and translate that into my work. And I have found that to be a very real source of community in that way. And, um, and I've just really enjoyed translating that into my life. And it's, it's created, um, it's created a very strong online community for me, but then also I believe has made me a a better, a better person. And I don't mean that in a shoulder pat way. I have, I I don't mean that at all. I just mean, I, I think it has, I think it has done some real good for me and keeping, keeping, things in perspective and, and not getting to just reminding me that it's a really big world out there beyond our tiny little screens and you know we've got to play yeah. a part in it and I, instagram has been a, a fun way to um to stay tethered to that daily yeah and i know there's i mean look there's a lot of hate there's a lot of things about instagram i can't stand i mean there's so many things to to be negative about but pop, but for someone like me who has zero skills and like what you do or what my boyfriend does like with design and advertising and graphics and I, I have learned so much from following people like you, like just about, you know, d- like what you do, like design and, and photography and, and art. And I, I, those are the people that I love so much that I, I wouldn't have known any of that. You know, I, I'm a complete Luddite. I mean, I think I, Dave taught me how to do a Google. We have a, we have a Google calendar for this podcast, which is- <laughs> You're all grown stuff. Yes, which I, get, <laughs> which I get invited to. And Dave is very patient. Um, but as you know, but I found, I find Instagram, I always found it so wonderful. Not, not is for people like you guys. Like I have learned about design. I have learned about art. I've learned about- what to do with my apartment spaces and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. learned so much about charity work. And uh, like, I just think, yeah, it is, it can be such an amazing platform, which is what you've used it for. Yeah. You just have to curate it accordingly or, you yes. know, sorry, curate your own, like um, who you're following accordingly. Um, right. And also too, I think that, that, you know, there's so many dangers, especially now in election year, right. Where oh people are God. also relying on it for news. And I think you have to be so careful when oh. it comes to who you are, who you, whose work you're consuming. Uh, but when used for good, it can be really used for good. Um, so now speaking about that, speaking about that, well, two things, speaking about that curating yours is so beautiful. And you know, everyone should know you also do, you know, you're a photographer, you're an editor, you, you do it all, you do it all. So did you come in, like, how did you get that, um, did the tone of your, did the tone of your work come out of living in the, in the, in the cottage? Is that how the whole tone and the hue and the style of it happened is living in the cottage? I think like, that that has, it's an aesthetic that. Aesthetic, sorry. The space has. These are, no, these are no, no, no. I should know. 
Okay, you devour more books than any human I know. You know all the words, Vaughn. I, I think that aesthetic, the aesthetic of that space certainly defined the aesthetic of this this branch of, of my company. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I'm saying I'm a lot. I need to work on that. But the the... The, as far as the photography and design and editing and those sorts of things are concerned, that is work that I have done for a very, very long time. It's just that it takes this, this form, this visual, it's got this uh, facade to it, or facade's the wrong word, but this look to it for, for this particular company because every company and every place and everyone is different. And so this is an aesthetic that is certainly defined by this space through which we do most of our work and the the platform that from which we broadcast our work. Uh, but it really just depends on who you're working with and what the topic is and what the subject is. So that is, you know, uh, a look at, attributed to this brand or assigned to this brand, but try to be, remain flexible with that and, you know, malleable depending on who we're working with and what projects we're working on. Right. And I remember you telling me that like, I mean, design and decorating, that's not really something you're interested in that's not really your thing but if you if you but you have done it and you've done it for certain friends and clients and right but decorating right. isn't that's not your thing not so much i i do think it's important in how it helps someone feel at ease and creates enhances function in a home of any size my problem with it as it's currently portrayed and consumed is that there's just so much waste involved. And right. I just became very, very uncomfortable with the sheer amount of waste, whether it's manufacturing, packaging, shipping, materials, all those things. I, I just am very, very deeply uncomfortable with that level of waste, uh, which is why I stopped doing it. So I'm still very happy to consult with people about how to make, how to work with what they've got and with how a smaller to- footprint. Yeah, usually, you know, usually tying in some sort of sustainable or regenerative elements if if possible. Um, But sometimes it's really just talking about the space and, you know, by working with what you have rather than buying something new, that's the most sustainable thing you could do, right? So, um, you know, that's what I'm trying to do now so that it's less of, you know, less online shopping because I hate shopping. So less shopping and more, uh, more just problem solving, I guess, troubleshooting. And you have an amazing book, if um, you guys don't know oh, about thank it. thank you. Whitney has an absolutely beautiful book that she wrote um, called Small Space Style. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you don't have to live large to live beautifully. <laughs> That's it. It's actually a really beautiful book. But um, that really became, when did that, when did that act become so important to you? When did you really go from like all these other jobs, all these other clients, you worked in art galleries, you worked with big clients, small clients. When did the, the living small, when, when did that hit you that that was such a passion of yours? Cause it really became like over, since I've known you, it's grown to like a real passion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like it- saving the environment and being green and yeah, and we slip up all the time, you know, we're, we're um, all the time. But but that passion really took hold about six or seven years ago. We've been in our current space for over nine years, but about six or seven years ago, I realized that I realized why people started paying attention to what I was doing. It wasn't necessarily how the photos are edited, even though that's you know part of the look and feel. It's not that. It's it's how people manage to live in a small space without killing each other for the long run and well, how you wait, manage. Let's add, <laughs> let's add something in case you don't know this. Um, how, how big is the cottage that you and yeah. your six, your six foot husband and your six feet live in? 
Yeah, we are, it's under 400 square feet. Mm -hmm. And so it's the two of us, my full-time office, even pre-COVID, it's always been my office. We have an almost four-year-old son because what is time? How is he almost four? And then we have two beagles. (laughs) I know time is, time is bananas. Anyone else listening out there complaining that you don't have enough space? You know, Dave, like I do sometimes when I'm like, we need a bigger (laughs) bigger place. Yeah. Two giants in a 400 square foot cottage with a we're almost four-year-olds and two beagles, and it yeah. is absolutely stunning and beautiful. And like I said, you can see it on the book in the book. But so that became like a real. So that that's like, it just it just hits you like wow, like this is it's just too much waste. Like what are people doing? Well, and it you know it didn't so much. Uh, but a friend of mine says. Um, says that in the sustainability world, she says, I don't want to get trampled by the sustainability stampede. You know, we, 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 we slip up all the time and we make this mistakes, but really what we're just trying to do is show people that you, you might not, some people do, but you might not need a bigger space. You might just need less shit. Right. And I, you, I, you know, just stop a, and, and it's not about decluttering necessarily, although that's initially part of it. It's not about that because there's so much privilege wrap up, wrapped up in decluttering, right? Just to, yeah. to buy and then let go and then buy and let go. There's a lot of privilege in that. And then a lot of the people who are affected by the letting go of those pieces um, are, are, you know, uh, these disenfranchised populations that just have to deal with kind of runoff from other communities, which is completely unjust. So, um, so the idea is really just to stop that influx of goods and really just showing people ways in which they can get creative with what they already own or buy a few key pieces, perhaps vintage or handmade, um, a few key pieces that will really help them live more comfortably in their, in their space and function more, more practically in their space. And the way that that part of my job came to be was um, I started answering when I started answering questions on Instagram and that began to take more time than the things that were paying my bills was Ah. taking. I realized that that was what I needed to capitalize on. So, okay, how do I translate that into dollars so that I can continue to answer people's questions, but do it in a way that doesn't um, undermine my business, and, and also and also know. do it in a way that is your maintaining your integrity and your ethics, and you really do walk the walk, which I always say to you, like you you are one of those people that actually you do it. You don't just you're not just selling a brand. You live it. You live this way. Well, th- thank you for saying that. And sometimes you know, like I keep saying, it's not always perfect, and we do have a long list of in, in of uh, questions that we ask brands before we go forward. But sometimes you know. You just got to pay your bill and you find uh, uh, something about a product or a service that you think will relate somehow to your community and just kind of close your eyes and do the best you can and know that it's not going to be perfect. But at the end of the day, the the companies who I really, really, really love and not to say that the companies that pay me or companies I don't love, I'm just saying that the ones I really love and want to work with full time can't pay me because they're doing work that doesn't pay them that that much. So every now and then in order to keep the business going, you got to compromise a little bit. And, but whenever we do, um, compromise in order to literally keep food on our table, we try to do it in a way that is genuine by making sure that whatever we are promoting really does have some sort of tie back to our community that they will find of value. And, and it's a hard line to balance. And we say no to more deals than we say yes to, but we put a shit ton of work into it and we really do try our best. And those jobs then allow us to do all the unpaid work, which is the vast majority of my work. I mean, just like with you, Bon, I mean, you know, all the auditioning, all the, all the, all the tapes, all the driving, all that work. There's so much work that goes into 
doing what you do and perfecting your skill and just showing up to put yourself on the line. There's all that work that you put in. And at the end of the day, that work doesn't pay the bills. So when you get hired for something, you got to make it count. And that's the same thing. You know, most of the work we do, you know, day in and day out doesn't have a paycheck assigned to it and that's okay. But then we have to make sure that we do the jobs that also bring in the money so that we can continue to do what we do and hopefully make a difference and um, also, you know, feed ourselves. So when you had that aha moment where you were like, wow, I can actually turn this into a business and do something I'm passionate about, do you, would you consider that like, like another separate act? Like, okay, so then your journey, your career kind of changed a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I do think so. I think it was this, you know, kind of what you were saying with a one-two punch. The first thing is the breakup and that allowed me to really just see who I wanted to be independently of a partner and of my work mm-hmm. and who I, and who I was. And, you know, and then shortly thereafter, a couple years after the client with whom I'd worked the most often kicked me out of the nest. And that client, uh, who is it still a friend of mine, um, was my, my bread and butter so that I could, I could, when I wasn't working with her for her, when I was off the clock for her, I could do these other things, but do it with, do them with a safety net. So basically run my small business after hours, but with the safety net. And so when I was kicked from that nest due to changes that she was going through with her small business, uh, it was of course, initially a devastating blow having to get your own health insurance is a nightmare. It was a nightmare, at least at the time, because, um, Obamacare wasn't a thing yet. And it was just, it was a nightmare. Um, and having to, having to all of a sudden pay the, your social security and do all those things that you kind of take for granted when you're hired by somebody else. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, and, I, and, I know that now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then and guarantee your own, guarantee your own paycheck. Um, those things are, you know, I mean, of course, changing. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you just have to take risks in order to, you have to take risks. That's it. In order to keep going, you just have to take risks. So I do think that that change, although it was very terrifying at first, was absolutely what uh, inspired me and really just kicked me into doing what I do now. And if she hadn't, if she hadn't let me go from the role that I was in, I don't think I would have had the chutzpah to, to translate my work into what it is now. And I'm love, so, so just, grateful you, you for that. You just used the word chutzpah. I love you. <laughs> Chutzpah. You certainly have chutzpah. No, but that, that's exactly that's exactly why I wanted to do this kind of podcast is because, like you and, and so many of, of of my dearest friends, you know, everyone has such different stories, but everyone knows a moment or or a break or something that in your brain goes okay, and it may not may not be so devastating. You know, it doesn't have to be like my seven hundred thousand breakups and <laughs> taking me forty six years to meet the love of my life, but. It just, it, it could be just something like a, like, like literally like a, like a light bulb. But yes, if you hadn't gotten let go, look at what you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be living this life. And now let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Venice was going to be such a huge part of your business and your brand when you moved or no? Was that, did, did that just all happen? I didn't. It, you know, it, it all happened organically. And I think it is, I think that the brand exists without Venice, but it couldn't have grown the way that it, it did without, right. without Venice at the time, you know, because so much of what we do, so much of tiny living, at least pre-COVID, um, was, is about getting out and enjoying and using your community and hopefully contributing to your community and just really maximizing the way that you use community resources. And so that, that translated into us 
constantly biking everywhere in our silly little cargo bike in which we put our son and two dogs. It translated into. Well, us. I remember pre. I remember pre kid. You loaning you loaning me a bike. Uh huh. I think I got too drunk and forgot where I parked it. But that's a whole, that's another. That's a, that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, that yeah, sounds you, like something you, that might have happened a couple times. I remember you pulling up with pre pre kid on the bike with the twinkly lights. You know to have yeah. drinks, and you were like. The, you know, you were, yeah, absolutely living that Venice Beach lifestyle. And, and um, for people that don't know, but um, Whitney lives in the beautiful Venice Canals, which is such a special, really special mm-hmm. little quaint place. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's kind of like you're not in the city, but you're near it. But anyway. It is a, its own. It's a, it's its own special little nugget for sure. Yes. And we've got a little hand-me-down canoe that we take out. Yes. We were out there yesterday. Why'd it's you pick great, Venice so. anyway when you moved with? Well, I lived in I lived in Santa Monica in the, in in a previous life, and <laughs> I I knew I loved I, I forgive me, but I don't love LA. Um, I do love living by the beach and yes. having access to all that LA has to offer, I um, and exactly all that Southern California has to offer. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thing. But so I I do enjoy this place, and I don't enjoy getting in the car. And I knew that I could live in Venice and. Um, at least at the time, be exposed to a lot of, uh, you know, at that point, financial diversity, racial diversity, um, cultural diversity, and also not have to get in my car and be able to enjoy my community as well as do my work efficiently while in my my home. So that is, that is I just really grew to love the Venice lifestyle. Um, I'm not so sure I'm not so sure, it, you know, it feels very different now, um, but I'm very grateful for the the long and passionate romance we had. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Venice Beach so much. I'm sad to leave it. I feel I feel the same way. It's the, the diversity, the, the, just the art, the murals. I mean, I did a photo shoot the other day and we just walking around and yes, it's, 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 it's a very weird time it's, and it's sad, Venice right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many homeless and so many people in need. Yeah. Um, well, it's also just super gentrified. So the polarization is just oh, really yeah. stark. So it's crazy. You'll, you'll, you'll have multi-million dollar mansions going up right next to a homeless encampment. And you just look at it and go like, there's something really, oh. really wrong here on all, on just all sides of the spectrum that everything, so, the, n- this is just n- not okay. It's, it's, it's upsetting on many, many different levels. It is. And I always say to people, if you really want to see, I mean, obviously downtown LA, Skid Row, that's famous, but I always tell people, if you really want to see juxtaposition of rich mm-hmm. and home, go to Venice Beach because yeah, the I mean, dichotomy. I mean, this the the, the the Frank Gehry design steel architectural, you know, mm-hmm. insane, beautiful, beautiful homes right next mm-hmm. to or or people going to a fancy bakery to pay you know twelve bucks for a latte yeah. and something and it's and it's it's just really incredible. But there's something about it. It's so special there, you know, and the mm-hmm. canals is, is obviously, is, is just so beautiful. And you introduced me to all that lifestyle too, again, including me in your, in your wonderful little magical world with the canoe and the, and the kid and the. And yeah, you had your first canoe ride on our canoe. I, I did. Think, I, yes. Very I'm, exciting. My only canoe ride ever was with you. You were nervous. It was like, a, it was at <laughs> Halloween. And I remember you got on and you got onto the canoe. You were very nervous. You yeah. were absolutely absolutely adorable and as we oh, thank you. as we as we you know paddled off we passed the first dinghy that we passed was a dinghy with a skeleton in it because it was halloween and i was like this is this is a very venice uh canoe experience really like your is. first your inaugural yeah canoeing experience was very very venice there was like a the skeleton in the dinghy on one side and then quite literally a floating hippo paddle boat <laughs> on the other and i was like this is venice for you yeah it is 
And you guys, do you think, um, is that, do you think that where you, you'll, you'll end up or do you think you'll end up somewhere else? Or, you know, I know, I know that you've looked at other places and you're open yeah. to and you miss your family, your family spread out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, we, we absolutely cannot stay here. Um, what has happened in Venice with the, the gentrification and I'm, yeah, well, you know, afford, I mean, I can't you know, afford I, it. Anymore. It's it's exorbitant. It's absolutely exorbitant. So we live in a very, very tiny house because we love it, but also there is no way we could live in a house of any other size. But also we rent this house. Um, there is no way on God's green earth we could buy this house. It is it would knock people's socks off uh mm-hmm. who are not from this area to know the uh the applied value of this uh <laughs> of this house. Right. So it is just uh, unbelievable. So it is Quite literally, I, I say we're a single income family. That's not entirely fair because Adam works his ass off, but he left his job in advertising in order to help me with run my company in order to end in order to be the primary caregiver for our son. Um, but so we are, we are, I'm certainly not doing the work by myself, but if I don't bring in the dollars, we right. don't, we don't earn the dollars. So when right. I say that, I'm not trying to undermine what he does. So anyway, the point is, is there's no way we can stay here while I'm doing creative work in my small business as a single income family and expect for us to be able to buy or enjoy the travel and other cultural delights that small space living usually bring uh, with it. You know, Um, usually if you're cutting back on certain things, it's so that you can enjoy other things. And in recent years, it's just been too cost prohibitive and I'm just not interested in, in running that, that, in that rat race anymore. I really just want to enjoy my family and work really hard at what I do. I love what I do, but you know, I, I, I'm not interested in just treading water or keeping my head above, above water. I really want to, really want to, you know, float on. (laughs) Do you think that, um, because of the small space living that you've, that you've made so beautifully and and lived so beautifully, do you think that you could ever move to a bigger place? Well, I mean, yes, of course, 400 square feet, you know, but, but, but yes, you probably could, but do you think you would want, are you interested in that at all? Or do you think that this is just now so impermeated in you that you would, you would always want to live in a smaller space? I think it's a balance, you know, first off the the average American home measures around 2,600 square feet. So even if we go bigger, um, we'll never, we're nowhere close to that. I can't actually conceive of now. I can't actually conceive of being in a space that's over a thousand square feet. Like it seems like it would be palatial to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I do like a yard though. You, you, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very happy with a very small, uh, house and a very big plot of land. Like that brings me joy. And so I'm not as much, just like with this house, we didn't pick it because of the square footage. We picked it because we fell in love with it and it had everything that we needed. And luckily nine plus years later, that still is the case. Um, so I expect that the next place we go, will follow, we'll, we'll do, you know, use the same kind of guidelines. Um, do you think so you would I, do the same thing again, like a complete, uh, re- um, renovation? Cause if anyone, I want to tell you anyone listening, if you want to see what this woman can do and what you can do on a small budget in a tight space, go to this woman's blog and <laughs> check out the before nine years ago when they moved into this place, like a with dirt, a patch. dirt, a dirt patch yard. And now look at, it's absolutely stunning, beautiful, green grapevines, um, vertical gardens. I mean, it's just, it's like magical. So if you think you can't do it, go check, check, check this woman's <laughs> life a, a book out and her Instagram. But do you think that you would do that again? Or you think you'd want to move into something that was a little bit more ready to go next time? I think it really is just whatever, whatever makes sense geographically and land wise. And, you know, the idea for me is 
really, and I keep saying this word and I don't mean to exhaust it and I don't, but really to be sustainable in the sense that not just with buying eco-friendly goods, like that's not what I mean. I mean, if I'm going to move my family with a growing child into a space that's exactly the same size, it seems like perhaps that wouldn't last that long. Because what happens when he is a preteen and he decides he wants his own space and needs to close the door? Too bad. You don't have a room in this space. So, (laughs) so I want to, you know, we, we are not at that point now. He's, he's so, so happy in our home and we are so, so happy in our home. But if we're going to move, I would, move with um, a very realistic and, you know, pretty just modest uh, size right. upgrade to to accommodate that so that we wouldn't have to move again in the future uh, right. just to accommodate something that's inevitably going to happen. Now, having said that, I think it's very important to remember that people make all sorts of spaces work all over the world because they need to or want to. So for anyone out there who's making it work with a teenager, hats off and that's awesome. And it's not something that I'm not, uh, (laughs) it's not something that I'm opposed to trying, but I will say that if we're going to start anew somewhere, Mm -hmm. I should start anew in a way that makes sense by just planning for, planning for the inevitable without speculating what we might need, you know, like just, just kind of a, conservative yeah. guess of, of what what will probably happen. Well, I could tell you the door will probably be helpful because I've never um, dated anyone with kids. And um, I, think, <laughs> I think Dave says to his oldest, how often could you come out? Could you come out for a minute? I haven't seen you all day. Like yeah, the, door, the door's closed all the time. I mean, you know, that's that age, 14, 15, you know what I mean? The door, sure. they want that space. Sure. But I can't imagine you ever living in a palatial, I mean, I just, I just can't. Me neither. Me neither. And that's, and that's fine to each their own. I don't mean, I don't mean for anyone else. I mean that for me, I just, I, it is not, no, it is. uh, I I would love more land and I would love a fireplace. And that's Uh, about, that's about all I really care about in (laughs) in terms of the the upgrade. And also, you know, I want to tell everyone, you are so impressive to me. Well, obviously, but um, you do so much charity work with the Right Way Foundation, which is such an amazing foundation. And I've been to some of your events and bought some art um, and will you tell everybody what that is about? Well, for, for, so for first and foremost, I'm, I'm not doing that. They are, they are doing that work. The, the Right Way Foundation is incredible. They're an LA-based nonprofit that uh, helps transition age foster youth gain access to the tools that they need in order to survive and thrive. So uh, whether that's job placement, uh, safe housing placement, especially right now during COVID, access to f- to food, access to just essentials. Because you know, when you grow up without a dedicated community or a dedicated home, people to tell you how to how to. I mean, I say balance a checkbook. Who has a checkbook anymore? But you know, just do those essential things. Pay for your car registration. Those things. You know, there's there's not a hand. A booklet for a guide booklet for life. And yeah. if you don't have a community around you to, to teach those things to you, where do you learn them? So Right Way is providing that as well as um, professional mental health services and trauma-informed job training for businesses who want to hire uh, transition age foster youth, but don't quite know how to handle some of the trauma that comes with with them in their lives that has been you know thrust upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Right Way also helps employers uh, equips employers with um, the ways to, you know, best deal with with this with this um, group of of, of youth. So the right way is incredible. Uh, right with foundation is incredible. Their work is fantastic, and I'm really honored to just be able to help them get their get their message out. And anytime a brand wants to partner, we just try to work in something for right way, whether it's a financial donation or a donation of goods. Because um, if I'm going to promote something, uh, I want I want to know that it, the company really is doing some good. It's an amazing, it's an amazing company and you're amazing. You are amazing. And I want to ask you, now I got to ask you a couple, now I'm going to ask you some, a couple of questions. Okay. Okay. On questions, I hope. 
Okay. You can plead the fifth if it's anything inappropriate. Although you, you, <laughs> you would never plead the fifth. Okay, first, first question. What did you think about the first lady's Rose Garden makeover? I don't even want to talk about that family. <laughs> okay. I don't. It makes me see red. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve regarding the waste that you see repeatedly all the time? What's like the one thing that bothers you when you see waste all the time? Like something that really gets under your skin? It's just the things that you truly don't need. Like that you truly, 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 truly don't like need. What? Like what? Like do you need it? Do you need that water bottle? That that disposable water bottle or the the, the single use water bottle? Do you need that that plastic bag when you could really the like when somebody takes a bag of bread at the grocery store, for example, checks out with a bag of bread and then puts that bag of bread, which has a little handle on it. The bags have handles on them. They've got the little poof at the top. <laughs> like that is its own bag. Why do you need to put it in another bag? It's just the things I don't want to guilt. At the end of the day, it's not, at the end of the day, big corporations are to blame for this. It's not, I mean, yes, we, people have a major, major, major role. Consumers have a major role to uh, behind it. But at the end of the day, I don't want us infighting because it's the corporations that really need to be put under the microscope and fixed. But but when but. I see those things that could be real, that are just very easily curtailed and don't need to need to exist, that pisses me off. Preach it, sister. <laughs> okay. And I know you get this all the time on your Instagram and you answer very politely because I read everything you write and on your blog, but what right now are a few like good quick tips if someone's listening right now and they're like, huh, I want to change that they could implement to reduce their footprint, their environmental footprint. Like just easy. Like give me something easy. I'm going to wait for this helicopter. Yeah. Don't use a helicopter maybe. Sorry. It's right overhead they could not they could not use helicopters that could help sorry there's i just feel like there's always helicopters (laughs) over our house okay um something really quick that people could do if they want to because it's intimidating i know for some people and it was for me at first and you know when you're just completely ignorant and and you're like all right i want to i want to change i want to do more than recycle my cans so what are a couple of things that they could do well first and foremost i think it's important to remember that living a less wasteful lifestyle doesn't mean going out and buying tools for it. You know, it has been very commercially washed that way, but stop and think about the indigenous communities who have been living this way forever. And they're not, they're not toting around their swell bottles and, you know, they're just living fundamentally different, you know, they're just practicing their lives in a fundamentally different way. And so I think that what is important to remember is that you don't need to spend a lot of money and go out and buy new things to be sustainable. Look around your house and see what you already have and get creative with what you already have. You know what? And if it's, if it's plastic and it's not hurting you in any way, if it's like PBA free and it's safe to use, use that plastic until the cows come home. Because at the end of the day, if you throw that plastic out or donate it, even like 80% of donations end up in landfill. So you donate it and get a bamboo bowl instead. But then what happens to that plastic bowl? It's still going to rot on this earth to the end of time. So use the hell out of whatever you already have. That is the most you know sustainable thing you could do. And it's going to save you money. Um, and it's also going to take the power out of the commercialization of, yeah. of the sustainability movement. And I'm certainly right. guilty of playing a part in that. I mean, it's part of, it's part of my, my business to a certain extent. I do think there's a lot of good that, that comes out of it. Um, but, but just remember, we already have the tools. You basically just have to simplify your life by just looking at it. And maybe if you can, everyone always says they want to slow down, they want to slow down, they want to slow down. Well, opting for more traditional tools and foregoing those tools that are creative for just convenience purposes are often a great way to slow down and prevent unnecessary waste. 
Yes. And I know I could tell everyone, I love this rule that you taught. Well, you told Adam, or I don't know if you told Adam or you, you made up that if you get something new you, in your family, you have to get rid of something. Like if, mm-hmm. you know, if he gets a mm-hmm. new pair of, you know, Nikes or whatever. And, and I, you taught me that rule. And I've been, I've been doing that for a couple of years, but being like, you know what, I'll donate something. I don't need, you know, buy one new thing, get rid of one thing. It really is. It's, it's, it's such a, a good way to think about things because you realize how, much less you need when you think that way. Right. And, you know, and Adam could do whatever he wants. That's a rule that I applied to myself, but luckily we, we both seem to have adopted. I mean, he's, you know, yes. he's his own person, but I, I believe in it for, for me because it makes sure that I don't accumulate too much stuff. But really it also just makes me, I just ask myself a ton of questions before I buy something new, because again, there's so much privilege in letting something go and, you know, you, who knows where it's going to end up. So it's also when you get something new, getting rid of something else you don't acquire, that you don't need, but finding a dedicated home for it. So whether it's the right way foundation, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's that kid who just graduated college and is moving into their first place um, and could use it, like finding a home for it and not letting it like rot in the trash or, you know, Mm -hmm. or just go into a general like goodwill pile because most of those things end up uh, not, uh, don't find, don't find new homes. Yeah. I know. I know. It's, it really, it does make you really, really think it it has totally changed my um, consumption of stuff since I met you. I've, I've, I really have, you know, like you said, it's, you do the best you can. I'm not always perfect at it. I'm certainly nowhere near as good as you are at it, but you have made me think a lot about those, those sort of things. Okay. And one last question, what would you tell 20 year old Whitney right now? The, the one thing you would tell her that she would need to know the most Honestly, this is kind of a somber thing to say, but I would really check my privilege. Um, you know that I, uh, I, I have I have a lot of privilege that I didn't earn that has just been, you know, granted to me because of the way our society works. And um, man, I would complain a lot less and and hopefully do a lot more um, and just be much more aware of that privilege and hopefully pay that forward. I feel like I lost a lot of years that I could have been doing something better. I think that there's a, I think that there are a lot of young kids out there um, right now who, who are already clued into that and, um, and I applaud them for it and I'm learning from them. That's an awesome answer. Well, I applaud you lady for everything that you do and have done. <laughs> And um, you're awesome and everything you're doing and on all of your activism and just, you're just really inspiring. So I'm, I'm so honored I got to interview you. I hope it wasn't too, no, thank you so much. Was it too painful? <laughs> what are you kidding? You're the most delightful person oh, to talk to. And I'm so excited you. that you're doing this podcast because you've been noodling with it for years and there's no one who is a, is a better conversationalist oh. and, you know, is, is easier to talk to than you. And I think you've got such a tremendous gift for this. And I'm glad you're, you're putting it to, to use. And I'm so excited to, to hear all your Thank interviews. You. Well, I am learning not to talk as much, um, to try to be quiet and let people speak and not talk over them. So that's a good, that's, that's a good, that's a good thing. How's it, how's it, how's it working uh, out for you? I think the first two times, Dave, where's Dave? Why, why are you being so quiet over there? The first couple of times he had to, he texted, stop talking over people. And, you know, but I just, you know me, I get excited. Right, honey? Yeah, you can mm-hmm. apply that to your personal life too if you want. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> I love you for yeah. your enthusiasm and the way that you talk to people, Bonnie. But I know, but uh, they're actually, I think that this is the most talking that I've done I'm, in a one-on-one I'm conversation so, I, in a long time. I find time. you so fascinating. <laughs> and also I should just say to people, I remember when we first met, um, public speaking was like your biggest, you were like, oh, oh, you didn't want to, you were, it wasn't your thing. And now oh. you do it all the time. You do engagements and speaking and. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it's not public speaking that I don't like. It's that I don't like being looked at. I just don't want to be, I, I don't want to be the center of attention no. is what it is. And, th- but my job now kind of requires that in the way that this, like for this, for example, I have been talking about myself a lot and I'm deeply uncomfortable with that. Uh, but at the same time, I realize it's a necessity and I'm comfortable with the process mm-hmm. of it. It's just kind of the feeling of it. If well, that you are sense. really good at it. Though. But you're, you're really you good. Are, at it. You are, oh, I've, I've you are. I've seen you speak and I know that, I know you're uncomfortable with it, but you are so eloquent and, and, and I've seen you speak and been super proud. And also, you know what, get over it. It's, it, it's, you're six feet, you're beautiful. You have this long mane of hair. People are going <laughs> to people are going to notice you. Sorry. I got to work on my ums. I'll work on my ums for the next I'm trying to work on my likes. I haven't been doing likes. Mm. That's a big one, you know, to avoid the word Mm. like. Right. Sure. So everybody, please check out Whitney Lee Morris's Instagram account. It is so beautiful. And what she's doing for the world is so inspiring. And also if you want, get her book, Small Space Style, which I love because you don't need to live large to live beautifully. And I hope that we have many, many more acts together, you and I. This, this, we're, not, we're not done. I agree. I agree. And love I love you, you very much. Thank, Thank you, you for so having me much. On. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for being here for me with this interview. I'm super proud of it. God, Whitney is so inspirational. That woman has done more in her less than 40 years on earth than than I think I do ever or will ever do. Um, don't forget to look for her book. You can order it on Amazon, um, Small Space Living, where you don't have to live small to live beautifully by Whitney Lee Morris. She is super inspiring and really a lot of amazing advice if you want to start helping the environment and just do your part little by little. You know, it takes a village. You don't have to do it all in one day. Anyway, don't forget to follow me at secondact underscore pod on Instagram and also follow me at bonds with a Z. Uh, Somerville on Instagram, and please start sending me those questions because I am going to start doing a segment where I'm going to answer, I don't know how many yet, we'll see, I'm going to answer some random questions, um, and I'm just going to go for it because you guys are sending me really good stuff, and download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and please give me that five-star review and a good rating because I really want to keep doing this, and I need more of you to subscribe and give me those reviews so I can keep getting those great guests, and thanks again so much, lots of love to everybody. Hope y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.